Welcome back to the Expressions of Destiny podcast. This is Jennifer. Today is Wednesday. Um, we are going to be talking about effective teaching. And um, if a lot of you don't know me, I'm just going to jump right in here today, okay? Thank you again for joining me. <laughs> we're going to get right into this topic. But we're going to be talking about effective teaching. And if, if you do know me, you know that I've, I have a couple of um, years of teaching under my belt. Um, I taught elementary all the way through high school when it came to um, uh, art and physical education. And then I also uh, helped train educators later on in life. And so um, this, this whole topic of teaching is so important to me because you can be really great, amazing, the best of the best in what you do, but that doesn't mean that you know how to teach effectively. And this is why I'm, I hold teachers at such a high standard. I know there's, there are some, just like in every industry, every job, every company, um, whatever it is, there's always going to be those that, that are kind of like, I'm just doing this for the paycheck. Okay, I understand that. I get that. But then there are some educators a lot of them, because we know a lot of them that are so dedicated and committed to what they do every single day. And this is why their job is so special and so important is because they know how to teach. There is a huge gift, talent, and ability in that statement right there. They know how to teach. And so going back to what I first said, you know, you, you can be the best at what you do. You could be an amazing computer programmer. Um, you can be an amazing chef. And there's so many other ones that we can name off here. But you may not know how to show someone else how to do the same thing that you do. Um, you may not know how to explain what it is that you're that you're doing uh, because it just comes naturally to you right it's just it's your gift it's you picked it up really quick and that's what you love it's your passion so I want to talk about this effective teaching and really try to um, give you some ideas of how our mind gets so set on certain ways of doing things um, we had this conversation come up this past week, my family and I, because, you know, the fact that I was an art teacher for so long, it was this thought of, if you see someone who has a passion, you know, to draw or to paint or to, um, create, and they may not be at that level yet where either they want to be or where other people think they should be, does it mean that they're not good at what they do or they won't ever reach that level or that potential? My answer was no. It doesn't mean that at all. And that's hard for a lot of people to understand because uh, we, we just want to see the talent and we want to declare that that person is talented. Oh yeah, this is exactly what they were supposed to do in their life. But we also have to understand there are a lot of people who have a passion to do something and they may not know where to get started. They may not know how to do it. They may not know you know, the, the different ways of really engaging in this thing and learning until someone shows them. And so 
in my classroom when I was teaching art, and remember this was elementary through high school, all different age levels, all different mindsets, all different skill levels, and and that skill level to think about that is so important because I had some elementary kids who could draw anything at what we would consider a high school level. And then I had some high schoolers who were still kind of in that elementary level. And there was nothing wrong with that. And so my whole perspective on my classroom and all of my students across the grade levels was art is art. It is your art. And guess what? Somebody is going to absolutely hate what you do. And somebody is going to absolutely love what you do. And some people may not necessarily like your style, but they still see the effort, the talent, and the time that you have put into your work. They recognize and appreciate what you've done. It just may not be your style or their style, I should say. And so how do we approach this? And this is why (laughs) educators are so special to me because of the ones that I know, you can have a classroom of 20 to 30 kids who all have a different learning style. They all learn in different ways. Um, And we've gone over this before in a previous episode, you know, all the different learning styles. There's visual, auditory, um, people who can just see it and do it. And then you have those that can read a manual and know exactly what to do. It, it is a wide range of learning styles. But somehow, teachers know how to work in the, in the style of each individual student. Even if they have to group them, you know, and, and recognize that these five kids over here are visual learners. Those five over there can just read the book, comprehend it, and be done. You know, those couple of students over there, they need to, they need to actively hear something, you know. And so auditory is the best uh, option for them. Give them an audio book. Let them sit and just close their eyes and hear the words. And teachers have that gift. If they are a great effective teacher they know how to work with each individual student and so I've asked this question just recently on a previous episode and it was why don't we do the same thing in business why don't we do the same thing in ministry in our nonprofit organizations whatever it is that we do on a daily basis why do we not implement the same learning structure for our employees or those or our volunteers or those that we trust to help us run this vision and this thing that we that we run. So here's what happen happens in most businesses. If you go into especially a large corporation, um, say you're going to work for a retail chain or a grocery store or whatever it is, and they are nationwide across the board, their training for their employees is usually, first and foremost, some type of LMN, which is your learning management system. And this is a a computer. You sit down at it. um, There's modules. There's different training. And you have to go through each one. You have to answer some questions. You might be quizzed at the end. You have to pass it in order to get 
beyond that module to the next one. Um, but is there any retention that is going on here? And for those who need to have that visual or that hands-on, is it really effective for them? Let me give you another scenario. Maybe you work for a smaller company and you have regular trainings, you know, weekly, monthly, maybe it's a, a quarterly or an annual thing. You're called in to be trained. Um, and then after the session, you're left with these booklets and these packets to go home and continue to read and study on your own. And you have to kind of just know what to do. Is there a hands-on portion of that? Is there a further training where you are actually shadowing someone or working side-by-side -side with them in order to learn the process or the processes in this company? In most cases, there should be. And there probably is a plan in place for that. But many times it doesn't get carried out. Why? Because you get out on the floor or you get out in, you know, um, a certain area that you're working in and there's no time for that. Or the person who you're shadowing is extremely busy because they're still trying to go about their business and do their job. And so you're left standing there going, what do I do? And then we have many questions to ask, talking about the new employee. Many questions, maybe some answers. Um, feeling like you're bothering that person, there's no dedicated one-on-one -on -one or even group training after that initial computer training. And so what should have been an effective program is now maybe slightly ineffective or greatly ineffective depending on the person that is being trained. And is it their fault? No. No. Because maybe they learn a different way. And we have set these processes, these systems up across the board, even in education. We have set these processes up across the board that are at one level, one playing field, and expecting everyone to fit into a one-size-fits-all. And that is not the case. When I would stand up in my class and maybe instruct my students on a particular artist. And I would, um, and I remember, I'm going to go into story time here. But I remember when I would stand up in, my, in front of my class and one of my favorite, absolute favorite artists uh, was Jackson Pollock. Some people say Pollock, but Jackson Pollock, um, however you pronounce it. He was known for creating these massive masterpieces, um, just huge canvases that were, uh, that would cover the entire floor of his work area. And he would literally just dance around the canvas with cans of paint and paintbrushes and just splatter paint on there. And they were beautiful pieces, um, you know, for me, I prefer abstract over portrait and landscape paintings. I think they're beautiful, but I just prefer that abstract. And so this is why he he grabbed at me. His work was so amazing to me. 
And so I would stand up in front of my class and I would share with my students about the way that he would paint and the reason why he would do this and maybe the explanation that would come up afterwards because he would paint it and then create a story or maybe just share the emotion that was going on during the time that he painted whatever painting it was or what was on display. And so some of my kids would talk about, wow, that's awesome, that's cool, Um, that, you know, I wish I could do that. And the response was always, well, you can. Why? Because that was his art. This is your art. You can create it however you want. But the whole purpose of the lesson was just to be an inspiration. And so later on, you know, in the year, now I would be teaching on Picasso, which was another abstract artist, or Dali, or Da Vinci. And so each individual artist was not meant to tell you how to do it. It was meant just to be an inspiration to you, an option, because if it was something that you could really identify with, or you could feel maybe what that what that painter, that artist was trying to convey, and you had some type of connection to their work, then that was a style that you were going to lean towards the majority of the time. You may try out some of the other styles, you know, and in class I would normally would, would have them do that. you got to at least try it out. Let's see what you can create. But if you ended up leaning more towards one artist over another, that was the reason why I presented these different artists to you so that you could see where it is that you can find that appreciation, feel that appreciation for what they do and draw inspiration from it. So it wasn't in the moments that I would stand up and talk to them about the artist or show them pictures in a book or up on the screen you know, of what that artist did, it was when we actually grabbed our paper or our canvases or our paints, you know, chalk. We used a lot of pastel chalks, um, charcoal. It wasn't until we actually engaged in that activity that they were able to finally understand how to do it and how to do it the best way that it that it actually made sense. So I remember taking them outside one day. Um, just didn't even tell them what we were going to do. I just said, just grab the paints, grab. And at this time, we would always just have these huge gallons of paint or, you know, buckets from from the um, Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever it was. And I said, grab your canvases, grab your brushes, whatever tools you have, grab your paints. We're going out to the field today. And we went out to the field, and I just told him, just, just start creating. Just start splattering that paint, throw it here, throw it there. There was no worry of getting anything dirty because we were out in the grass, right? It'll be all right. And so we would just splatter that paint on there. And these students came in. My kiddos came in with some of the most beautiful masterpieces that day. And I also remember looking at some of their paintings closer and as I would look closely at each individual painting to kind of get the um, see the texture of it and how thick they had applied the paint on one side you know as opposed to the other uh, maybe some of the details that they 
uh, scratched in there with a, a palette knife or something like that. Um, there was plastic sticking out of a couple of the paintings, like a, like a real thin plastic clear paper. And as I looked closer, it was the plastic that would cover the straw on a Capri Sun, you know, the little juice bags. And, um, it had, they had put it, placed it on their painting and splattered some paint over it. And then on a couple of pictures, I would see a couple of crumbs or maybe even a whole Cheeto, like the food, the actual Cheeto. And it just made me laugh, but it, it made me so grateful for my position and being able to teach these kids because they were grabbing onto everything, every word that I said, and I didn't even realize it. And part of the story of Jackson Pollock, if you do not know him, is that Jackson Pollock would, as he painted, if anything fell onto his painting, it was now part of that painting. He did not disturb it. He didn't try to remove it. And so in some cases, if he was dancing around that canvas and was throwing stuff in a button, popped off his shirt, and it fell into the paint, he would leave it there. Because there was nothing that was going to interrupt this process that he had. And it now just became part of the artwork. And so, obviously, the kids weren't dancing around with their Capri Suns and it accidentally fell. They they purposely placed these items and, and that's what made us laugh about it as they were sharing it with me. But it was the whole fact that they, they grabbed hold of of that instruction, of that special part of this artist. And they wanted to um, duplicate that process and see how it would turn out. And so the thing is, is that when we look at that example, I know those are students, I know it's an art class, but the same thing applies in our life, in our business, in our ministries, um, in our nonprofit organizations. The different ways that people learn, we have to be in a position as business owners and supervisors, leaders, whatever your title is, if you are in a position where you are able to influence people on a daily basis, we have to have a mindset of offering multiple different instructions, um, being able to think outside the box and give different options to the individual that we are working with so that they can accomplish and complete their task to the greatest of their ability. And if I give someone an instruction and they don't quite understand and they're too afraid to ask me to explain it again or they're feeling uh, inadequate and they're feeling like I'm never going to get this and you know they have the potential and there's another way that you can wrap this idea around them and say, okay, okay well, how, what if you try it this way? And let's try to maybe approach it this way. Or let me show you again. It's those moments, more than that learning management system, because the learning management system is just book knowledge, if you think about it. When we're in school, we have our textbooks, we have our instructions, we have, you know, our resources. We can go and we can find an answer really quickly because it's there. It's printed out for you. 
Um, you can repeat it over and over in your mind because repetition is learning. If you repeat it, you learn it. Um, but if you don't have that hands-on, that follow-up of really engaging in that process and showing them what all that book knowledge means, showing them how to apply it, then you are going to have employees or volunteers or whoever it is that really have a heart to do the best they can, but they're left feeling like, I don't understand. And that is the worst feeling when you're trying to grow and you're trying to do great things and you continue to feel like, I'm never going to understand this. I'm never going to get this. We all are given this great responsibility as leaders to be teachers. And a great leader will know that not every one person is the same. There is no one size fits all. So when you look at the people that are working for you today, and you look at the volunteers who give of their time expecting nothing in return, because it's just their heart to give, how much more can you give to them to help them grow? And I say this as many times as I can in every episode if I have because it's so important to me is that we give and add value in as many ways that we can so that they can grow our employees, our volunteers our ministry leaders so that they can grow because they are there to help serve your mission and your vision and if they are growing then so is your mission and your vision and whatever it is that you are doing for your community, your business can grow as well because you have imparted time into the very person who's going to help you grow that thing. And so I share this today because, you know, obviously this past week, this discussion that my, my family and I had about you know, the things that we do and why we do them. And why our heart is to help train and to coach people and to just really help them grow and be better at what they do and discover their purpose. The reason why we do these things. And then I find myself out in the community at the grocery store or at a retail store or wherever it is. And I see employees and whether they're new because they just got hired on, they needed a job, or there's someone who's been there for a very long time. You can see the frustration and the overwhelm, um, the exhaustion, the feeling lost sometimes. And I'm not saying it's, it's every employee that I see, but I can see that in a lot of them. Feeling like maybe it's just the same routine every single day or it's the same action. Also, Knowing that when you walk into a place and you ask for help, this is just one example out of many, walk into a place and um, say you're in the shoe department and you find an employee walking past and you say, I'm sorry, but can you help me? I need help finding a particular shoe I saw online or whatever it is. And for the response to be, well, I'm sorry, this isn't my department. I don't know anything about that. Um, I'm in grocery so, um, I'm sorry, but I can find someone who knows. It's, it's not that you expect them to know everything, but it's just that it happens 
a lot in businesses where they are only required to know that one thing. They don't really have a follow-up or a backup. It's not a, um, you know, what we've been trained to do is, I may not have an answer for you, but I can find one, should be the first response. And then as they're seeking someone out who has an answer or should have an answer, they can't find that person. And so it becomes frustrating both to the employee and to the customer. And for the company, there hasn't been any, been any resolution. There obviously hasn't been an attempt to cross-train your employees in case they need to fill in in a certain situation or at least give them the information they need to let the customer know that they may not have uh, the answer, but they can at least guide you. Or maybe even just try to help you, you know, because the attempt at, at trying to help is appreciated as well. I know for me, if someone ha- doesn't know anything about a department, but they still take the time to help me, well, let me look it up. Let me see if I can find it on my on my phone, you know, on the, the database. Let me see if we even carry that. And they stop, which has occurred many times in other stores, but they stop to at least still try to help you. Even if you can't find that thing you were looking for, it's still appreciated that they were willing to try to find an answer. This is lost, especially right now in this moment. Companies are struggling. They may not think they're struggling, but their employees are struggling. And so this is why training and coaching and Knowing different learning styles and knowing how to train across the board, not just for a one-size-fits-all, is so important. So I want to leave these thoughts with you here today. Um, I hope it encourages you. I hope that it it helps you to think about, you know, different scenarios, uh, different instances that maybe you have been in. And you think, wow, yeah, that has happened to me. Uh, maybe yourself in, in your own training, um, experiences or in a moment where you had to train somebody else and you weren't quite didn't quite know how to do it or even if you see it on a daily basis when you're out you know the lack of training that is there so feel free to share your thoughts Um, I'm always going to come on here and just throw my thoughts out there throw my experiences out there in hopes that it that it will help others And so, again, I want to thank you for joining me on the Expressions of Destiny podcast. This is it for me today, you guys. Um, But I hope to hear from you, and I will see you hopefully later this week, if not next week. So have a wonderful day, and God bless.